Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. I want to talk to you about attention today. And um, I hope it's going to be enlightening and I hope it's going to help us reframe some of our life and actually add to our life. Um, I thought we might actually look at Mark chapter 4 verse 24 and... Um, Hope the kids don't feel too disappointed. That was only a small clip from um, Despicable Me. I love that movie. I might actually do a movie series in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, Mark 4, verse 24 to 25, Jesus speaking, and he said this. Then he added, pay, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening... Even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Attention is a big issue and a big subject matter for Jesus. Attention is something that I rarely think about. Do you, do you often think about your attention? I rarely think about my attention. And the irony is, is that our lack of giving attention to our attention has actually left many of us unaware of an economy that is absolutely busting at the seams at the moment. It's called the attention economy. Just Google it and you will see it's a real thing. It's only recent, but there is an economy out there which is called the attention economy. Now, the attention economy was actually birthed out of the internet um, to meet the insatiable needs of advertising companies. And like all the kind of economies... There is currency. The currency is your attention. I don't know if you realize, but we are all subject at the moment to an attention economy. In our ordinary conversations, we use words like pay attention, don't we? Like pay attention. I say pay attention right now, you know what I'm saying? Pay attention. And even that ex expression implies a couple of important things. Firstly, that attention is limited. And secondly, that attention is actually valuable. It's really valuable and it's limited. And all of us could probably um, give testimony of the experience that attention actually leads us to certain places and it leads us to do certain things. I wonder if you're anything like me, you know, for some reason, it's not doesn't happen very often, but you know, sometimes I need to go to Bunnings, sometimes. I'm not a handyman, but sometimes, you know what, you need a hammer. You just never know you need a hammer. You go to Bunnings, you go get a hammer, right? Walking out, going to Bunnings and something gets my attention. And no, 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 it's not the sound of those screaming kids and, and it's not like all these other things, it's something that hits my attention and actually causes me to stop. It's a smell. You know I'm going with this, don't you? It's a smell. It's those onions, they're cooking on the barbecue. You like smelling, you go, I like, mm, man, that smells good. Have you ever noticed that like barbecue always, like, anyway, like, it, it just smells good. So I'm over there, I'm smelling it, and then my ears prick up. And I hear these fat brown sausages just spitting on the fire. You know what? So first it's my nose, then it's my ears. And then I turn my head and I see that good old portable Aussie um, gazebo just erected. And, and there's all these kids from a local footy team that are trying to sell. You know what? I went for a hammer, came back with a hot dog. Because attention got me there. <laughs> attention is currency because it creates desire and desire moves us. 
It moves us. This is how advertising works. This is how marketing works. I had no idea that I wanted a 60-inch TV until I saw it in a catalogue one day. And I said to Andrea, we need a 60-inch TV. She said, you've got to be kidding. We don't need a 60-inch TV. Suffice to say, we have a 60-inch TV. <laughs> and now it's a small one, isn't it? <laughs> Attention has power to move us, and because it has power to move us, it's a valuable commodity. And one of our greatest vulnerabilities is that if we're honest enough, we actually think we have control over our attention. And that is a huge, huge assumption. A huge assumption. The world's caught on to this. They've caught on to this vulnerability. And I think all of us... um, have been subject to this, um, particularly on our apps, on our phones, on web pages. The internet is really cotton on to this and, and is really leveraging our vulnerability to attention. So you'll notice that um, there's these eye-catching um, animations that just come up on your, on your Facebook page, on Instagram, and, and all that just vying and getting your attention. That happens all the time. You have these busy, crowded designs that just pop up with so much information, but they're just hoping that something will grab your attention. It's not this... Just this flash of information. What about the free games? Isn't it great you get free games? You think, that's fantastic. I've got some free games. And in the free games, it's like this hidden advertisement that pops up and it actually gets your attention. What about you go into some things and there's advertisements actually playing and you can't actually hit close until a good portion of that advertisement's actually played and then it comes up close. You hit close. They've actually just imprisoned you and got your attention. There is an attention economy that we are currently living in. And if we don't pay attention to it, guess what? We are very vulnerable. What's really interesting is that the secular world is actually starting to speak out about this. Um, Silicon Valley has what, we are, what they are calling themselves heretics. Heretics are starting to speak out. Now, these heretics are the ones who created this, right? And ironically, now they are speaking out against this because they understand that technology is not just hijacking our time, but technology is hijacking our attention. And this is becoming more and more of an issue. More and more artists are trying to challenge the paradigm of how we um, use our attention. In fact, I heard about this really, really interesting um, exhibit which was caused, called Applause Encourage. I've actually got a picture of it. It's, it'll come up on the screen. There was this artist. Look at that. Fantastic. There was this artist, San Diego, his name is Sean Pollock, and um, what he determined to do, he wanted to try and reframe attention. So what he did is that he got some chairs out, as you can see, he got some movie theatre ballot uh, strades and, and all that, and, and he got a couple of people and he sat them down and he actually brought out like some hors d'oeuvres and he brought out champagne and all that, and they sat down and they watched, no phones were allowed, and they were just looking at the sunset. And as the sunset went down, when it finished, they all applauded. What he wanted to do was to reframe attention to see that this sunset, which is an everyday occurrence, to make that everyday occurrence an event. I thought that's interesting, to reframe it. You may ask yourself, well, it looks like a waste of time. How is this significant? Well, let me tell you this. Reframing attention makes part of the world accessible to a person that it was previously inaccessible to. That's what reframing does. There are parts of the world, there are parts of creation, there are parts of things that are inaccessible to us because our attention is not framed around them. That's what this artist was trying to do. And I think that's actually quite powerful. 
especially when it comes to our leadership, especially when it comes to our parenting. I wonder if we think about what are certain things that are currently inaccessible to my children, inaccessible to my students, inaccessible to my teams, but if I actually free, reframe their attention, that which was once previously inaccessible is now accessible to them. That can create a whole lot of different meaning, but what it means is that there needs to be a new level of creativity about how we go about life. I think it's a very, very powerful thing. I mean, sunsets, think about it. They're as common as the number of days in your lifetime. That's just how common they are, right? They're pretty common. I mean, how would you describe a sunset? I mean, like, do you know the time the sun set yesterday? Because I don't. I don't. I mean, would we ever use words like this? He watched the sunset at the horizon. Spreading into largeness into a grateful sky, rich hues of red blended with oranges, purples, crimsons. His spirit soared at the sight as he was transported into a timeless existence, ready for the protective blanket of night and new dreams. When you see a sunset, do you see that? I don't. <laughs> I don't even know when it actually set yesterday. And I know, like, sometimes we, like, become so Christian and we think, you know what, this doesn't sound biblical at all. Are you kidding me? Have you read the Psalms lately? Have you? There is beauty, there is mystery, there is wonder that is inaccessible to us unless there is a reframing of attention. The Psalms in particular do this all the time. Listen to this, Psalm 19. Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete, eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other. Nothing can hide from its heat. This is what worship, this is what the Christian life is continually supposed to be. How in the world do we get a glimpse of how huge God is, how powerful He is, how majestic He is, how wonderful He is, unless we reframe our attention, unless we pay attention to what has our Attention. The heavens declare, they proclaim the glory of God. When was the last time we reframed our attention? I have to think about this myself. When's the last time that I just actually stopped and I just stood in protest of this driven, busy, hijacked world and I just simply looked up to reframe the skies at night as a grand canopy? displaying his craftsmanship. Wow. The psalmists, they are geniuses at doing this, aren't they? And Jesus' words are so pertinent, I think, for our current world. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have, that will be taken away from them. Now from our morning series, we've gone through Mark chapter 4 and we understand, we've learnt. Then Mark chapter 4, Jesus is giving a whole lot of parables in response to the Pharisees and the teachers 
you know, there's confrontations, there's conflict, so he starts speaking in parables. And his parables about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is the reign of God. The kingdom of God is what does this place look like? What does this family look like? What does this church look like if Jesus really is king? That's what the kingdom of God is. And if you can imagine that, well, go and do that. That's what he says. And Jesus is saying that the one key to participating in God's reign in our life is the extent to which we pay attention to his words. Having eyes, they can't see. Having ears, they can't hear. What's that? That's an image of an idol. That's why he says, like, even those, if you don't listen, even what you have, they'll be taken away. Why? Because having eyes and not seeing, having ears and not hearing, that is a process of dehumanization. That is an idol. That is a statue. That's like a Barbie doll. Has eyes, she can't see. Has ears, she can't hear. And Jesus is saying, your ability to participate, your invitation to God's reign in your life, in this community, in your family, in your own heart, in your soul, it comes down to how well you pay attention to the words of Jesus in a world that is continually trying to hijack your attention. Do you see what I mean? This is so pertinent. And, and this goes beyond like this fluffy little Christian teaching, you know, that we often hear. This actually is kind of this encouragement. No, pay attention to the culture. Understand the culture. And now let's engraft scripture into this culture so we can actually walk well in this culture. Because this is a different world. Like we, we've never had... Uh, I heard someone say, I've been listening to all these podcasts about this, uh, and this is a secular commentator saying this. You know, I heard one guy in a podcast, he was saying this, you know what, if the very first thing I reached for in the morning was like a bottle of whiskey, they'd call me an alcoholic. But the very first thing I reach for in the morning, we've never had this before. But because the gospel is powerful, because Jesus is king, and because, you know what, he is coming back, so he is sorting all this out, there is a way to walk forward, but it means we must grapple and we must engraft the gospel and live in such a way that is countercultural. The kingdom of God, the reign of God, that one key. Attention. Um, my attention gets hijacked all the time. How about you? you know? All the time. Um, I have found that I am much more successful in um, doing my message prep, for instance, if I don't have my phone and if I'm not in the office. Because my attention gets hijacked by people and by things all the time. I've come to learn that attention is very similar to a muscle. You need to develop it. You know, not that I go to the gym, but actually Clinton and I go to the same gym. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you, you don't rock up to the gym like just once a year and like try to lift as heavy weight as you can. No, you go every day, don't you? It's consistency. That actually develops. That's the thing that, that builds. So for the rest of tonight, I just want to make two suggestions, and they're very simple suggestions about how we can pay more attention. And then I want to just give one thing about what attention does. So two suggestions for paying attention and one thing about what attention does. 
The very first thing, this is a really, really important one. It doesn't sound important, but it's really important. First one, pay attention to place. To place. Genesis 28 verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. This idea of place has become more important to me um, over the last year or so. Last year, Andrew and I did some renovations on our house, um, which was really good. And one thing that we wanted in our house was a seating area, a sitting place. And um, previously, it was, um, well, it's currently, it gets used for our gallery, a connect group. Um, it did have my study desk there once, but we just wanted a place to sit. I wanted a place to sit. And um, so we've made that into a sitting place. So for, for about a year now, I sit and I pay attention. I look out the window and I don't do much else except sit. I listen um, to my children playing. I listen to Jackson singing. I, I, I listen to, I, I, I just use that to, to pay attention. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to become more aware of place. As of today, for 2,729 days now, I have walked into this room. I didn't add that up. There's actually a thing on the webpage where you can... <laughs> <laughs> I noticed the atmosphere every time I walk into this room. I notice it. Um, more often than not, there is a lingering of the spirit in this room. I notice it. I love coming. It wasn't here when I first started, I'll tell you that. <laughs> My goodness, who knows what was running around here. But there is a lingering that happens now. I look at these seats. You know, we've got this light right now which is covering a multitude of stains. <laughs> but these are well-worn seats. I pay attention. I'm thinking about these seats. The people are sitting in these seats. This stage, when we hear and we pray and I walk on this stage, I sit on this stage during the week. I look at this stage. I touch this stage. This pulpit, you may think it's weird, but I often I place my hands on this pulpit and I pray for this pulpit. This isn't my pulpit. This is the church's pulpit. So I'm praying for anyone who stands behind this pulpit. I'm praying for this pulpit. I want to become more aware of places. And the reason is this. Pay attention to this one line. God does intangible things in tangible places. We overlook how sacred places all the time. How many lives do you think have been changed and transformed? How many feet do you think have walked the bitumen out there? Over, what, it's been 20 years we've been here in this location? Place is so important. Salvation is kicking in the womb of creation right now. Any time now, something could give birth. So pay attention. Pay attention. Every single detail of my life of salvation has taken place in a named place. And you're the same, aren't you? Place is so important. So important to stop and to consider, God, you're in this place. And I wasn't even aware. I guarantee you right now, I've just slowed down on focusing on place and you can feel more of the presence of God right now, can't you? But that's only because you're more aware. 
paying attention to this place. It's an amazing thing. Places are sacred. Sacred. Sacred places. Second one, attention for, and you might think this is trivial as well, attention for conversations. Conversations. Earlier this year, I remember after our Young Adult Connect group, Nathan and I were standing in our front yard, and um, I think it was probably about, I don't know, it was kind of late. And um, we were there and we were talking and all this, and I actually said to him, how amazing is it that we get to stand here and talk? It's incredible, you know? One temple of the Holy Spirit speaking to another temple of the Holy Spirit. One image bearer of God talking to another image bearer of God. The problem is, for us, conversation is so boringly, ordinarily human, but have you ever thought, what are the angels seeing right now? They are not made. They do not have imago Dei. They're looking at one temple of the Holy Spirit speaking to another temple of the Holy Spirit. They're looking at one image bearer of God, speaking to another image bearer of God, sharing dreams, sharing visions, sharing disappointments, sharing decisions. And they're like, whoa, that is so divine. Conversations. Conversations. I was with Steve Kelly this week in a cafe in Thornley Square. Thornley Square. They were trying to kick us out because it was past time. But we were there having this great conversation. We're talking about the things of God. There's a stirring. Now. Have you ever had those conversations when you're with someone and there's like a warm, there's a stirring in your spirit? You know, I truly believe, I fundamentally believe, and this has nothing, because I'm not, I'm not special, but I know that if you sit with me and if we talk, you will leave changed. I have that absolute, it's true. I sit with Clinton. I feel changed when I leave here. Do you feel changed when you chat up with me? 100%. It's true, isn't it? It's because what we get to do, it seems so ordinarily human, but we bear the image of God. And if you checked out, if, you, if we had the ability to ask Michael and say, what do you think about that? He'd go, whoa, that's like, that's just unreal. Conversations, sharing life, sharing dreams, sharing disappointments with each other. We're made in the image of God. Attention for conversation, the conversation with your spouse. It's talking, sharing. How much of our life is trying to distract us from talking to each other? Talking to each other, face to face, face to face. Generally speaking, my Tuesdays and Wednesdays gets filled up with, I try to fill it with one-on-one -on -one like meetings, face-to-face. -face. People say, Dave, you're so busy, have you got time? I've got the same amount of time as anyone else. We just need to lock it in. Dylan tried to organise a thing. It's hard, isn't it? Because other people lock in time. So, Talking to your kids, you know, talking to your kids. Little, as my kids walk out. Must be bad preaching, they don't like it. <laughs> Talking to your kids. This year, I've become aware that for six hours, they're in school, right? For six hours, they are part of a world which I'm not part of. I am trying to get into that world. Problem is they won't talk to me about it. But, but I am aware that there is this large portion of their life which I'm kind of excluded from. Because if like a six-foot, like 
one chocolate guy was walking around their primary school, the police were, there's actually part of their life and I want to be in on it. There is this whole life that our children have and unless we have conversations, we do not enter into that life of theirs. What about your friends? To talk. Talk. I love talking with Clint. Like, what's happening in C3 Langford, man? Come on, give me some wisdom. It's like, brother, I'm a pastor. I need some love. Give me some love. Paying attention to conversation. Conversation. <coughs> paying attention to place, paying attention to conversation. They're two pretty simple things, aren't they? But I tell you what, they are powerful. They have proven to be powerful in my life this last year. They are powerful, powerful things. Okay, so what does attention do? This is something um, that we all should know. Attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. The beginning of devotion. If you ever find yourself in a place where you're not in love with your spouse as you should be or you want to be or anything, guess what? Start paying attention. Start paying attention. If we are made in the image of God, and the scripture says for the rest of eternity, we will be seeing new facets of our God, and we are made in the image of God. Let me tell you, you can't possibly know everything that is inside of your spouse. If you're made in the image of God. Does that make sense? And if you are a spouse, you are in, and I am in, a unique, privileged position where no one else on the face of this earth gets to know Andrea like me. And no one else on the face of the earth, pray for her, gets to know me like Andrea. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's a beautiful thing. But, but, but attention is the beginning of devotion. Of devotion. And attention is really important because our whole life is supposed to be one that is devoted to God. It's supposed to be. That's what we call worship. You know? Worship is communion with God in which believers, by grace, center their minds' attention and heart's affection on the Lord, humbly glorifying God in response to His greatness and how amazing He is. The practices that we do, you know, you think, you know what, there we go, I go to church, or I read my Bible, or I do this, and I do that. Spiritual disciplines are actually relationship practices. That's what they're supposed to be, relationship practices. They're supposed to refocus our attention on the gospel, on God, on Jesus, and enable our worship of this Amazing, transcendent God. But attention is the beginning of devotion. And this is something that is a bit difficult in our day and age, this culture. Because attention is the beginning of devotion, it demands that we withdraw from certain things to properly reflect and give attention to the things of God. Now, that's a bit of a harsh one, isn't it? Have you ever found that in your life? Something has gotten far too much of your attention... And you just come to the realization, I just need to withdraw from that because in my pursuit of that, I'm actually withdrawing from God. And I've seen so, so, so many people, instead of withdrawing from things to give more devotion to God, they have withdrawn from God to give more devotion to things. I can't help but think of Romans 1 when I come into that exchange thing. That happens all the time. Hebrews 2 verse 1 says this, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Have you ever met someone who's drifted away? Wait, Barley's, have you ever drifted away? Because I've drifted away. 
I've drifted away whilst I've been a senior pastor. I ain't talking about like fully backsliding or anything, but my devotion, my love for the Lord, there have been times where it has certainly drifted away and there are things that have gotten my attention because I was not, I, I've drifted away because I, I just wasn't paying attention. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit. I thank God for a community of, of believers. I thank God for the church because you come and God reminds you, he gives you a tap on the shoulder, says, hey, buddy, going the wrong way. I said, oh, okay, and you turn around. Isn't that it's amazing? That happens. There are certain things. I, I know even in my life, God has actually told me to withdraw from certain things so I can actually pursue the things I'm doing now. One of the hardest ones was in 2006. 2006. Now, music has been a large part of my life from year six. I started off playing classical guitar, and um, in high school, my popularity, I had a bit of it, was pretty much because I was in the band, you know. Everyone knew Dave. He was an electric guitarist. He could play, you know. So it was pretty good. Rock into the church setting, and, you know, I was like a um, competent um, guitarist. I was worship leader. You know, I could sing okay. Um, I, I, I led the, the young adult worship team and, and all that on the stage. Fantastic, you know. You get to lead in front of thousands of people. Fantastic. Um, I remember the time when God actually said, you need to put down that tool and you need to pick up another tool. That was hard. That was hard. That was a long time ago. I had to put down my guitar to pick up the tool of leadership so I could stand here today. And what was that? That was 13 years ago. Um, don't ask me to lead worship today. Can't do it. Cannot do it. Um, don't ask me to pick up a guitar. I can't do it. I had to withdraw from something so I could be more devoted to this and you guys actually get to experience that. But there are times when you do have to do that. You know, there, there are times when you need to put away childish things. Um, and, and sometimes it's not sin, you know what I'm saying? It's not sin. We're, we're told that there are sins and there are weights that actually hold us back. And sometimes it's not necessarily a sin, sometimes it's just a weight, you know. And it's not beneficial to your race. But there are things that we have to do that in order to be more devoted to that. All of that to say... And the challenge and the encouragement and the thought which I want to leave with us today is who has the market for our attention economy today? Because that's a really big question. Now, we've been using this image of consumed and you kind of got this green tree kind of thing and it's like this head. And I think that's a really appropriate thing for this day and age because there are so many things that come and try to consume our mind and the attention economy is something that is so paramount and it's something that's going to increase. And if we have the creativity, if we have the ability to actually think about or pay attention to what has our attention, if we can actually reframe how our attention of our children, our attention of our teams, our attention of our families are framed, maybe we could actually provide access to some things that were previously inaccessible to them. Maybe the issue of peace, I'm so stressed out, I have so anxiety. Wait a minute, Jesus promises that my peace I leave you. Wait a minute, are you trying to tell me, Jesus, that, that your peace is part of the kingdom of God, the reign of God? Yeah, well, how do I get that? Pay attention. Pay attention. Peace, I need more love because, Jesus, you know what? I just want to uppercut that bit. You know, Lord, you know, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> Okay, 
The love of Christ compels me. Okay, how do I do that? Pay attention. All these things that are promises of God, these things that are supposed to be accessible to us, they come by way of paying attention. And maybe the issue is not beating yourself over the back saying, I need to pray more, I need to do this more, I need to do this more. Maybe it is simply paying attention to what has your attention and allowing that to reshape and reframe your entire life. Is that helpful today?